When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy and what's up? This is the Long to a Fake Teams.com podcast. I am Natty. He is Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing? Uh, great Sunday night. Happy to be doing the pod with you, Natty. Uh, wish I could say the same. We waited just <laughs> long enough for the Lakers to come back, and it looks like they're going to beat the Pistons. And uh, fuck you, Brandon. That's all I have to say. But so what? What was that stat you texted me earlier tonight about uh, the Lakers and the Pistons? Okay, so the announcers said at one point that the Lakers hadn't won in Detroit in seven seasons, and I thought that was fucking nuts especially considering the championship year. But then I was like, oh, wait, that's bubble. So, like, the optimum LeBron-Anthony Davis Lakers haven't won in Detroit because they weren't there for that season, I guess. Okay. But still, that feels like a really long time. I also don't know if it's true, but like the announcer said it. Anyway, the real news is that LeBron got ejected in the third quarter going after a rebound. He got tied up with Isaiah Stewart. Uh, Beef Stew got a little bloodied. And LeBron got his second ejection of his career. He also like tried to apologize to Beef Stew, and Beef Stew wasn't having any of it, which, God bless you, I love you, and go Pistons forever. On the other hand, if LeBron James says he's sorry to you, I feel like you should just accept it. You should just <laughs> say, you know what, that's cool. It's like if the president apologizes to you, you should be like, it's okay. I, Yep, thank you for your apology. I accept that. I mean, I... I would not have thought less of Isaiah Stewart if he had just been like, you're LeBron James. It's cool. <laughs> like, you, I, I don't think you meant it. You're not a dirty player. It's fine. You're my hero. I love you. It's easy for you to say when you didn't just take 500 pounds of torque to your face. But uh, Absolutely cool. true. And, you know, I love beef stew. It's cool that he's tough. But, you know, like if LeBron James says he like if he said he was sorry to me, I'd say that don't worry about it. It's fine. He broke his orbital bone or something. Do we know if yeah. he's OK? I, I'm not I watching don't. the game. Yeah. Oh, really? You weren't watching Lakers Pistons? Uh, that brings us into a game that we both watched. The challenge game of last week was Warriors at Cavaliers on Thursday night. We thought it was going to be a little bit more interesting, uh, and then Evan Mobley got injured. And um, Jared yeah. Allen. And Jared Allen, that's right. So there were four dudes. So the people that didn't play for the Cavs were Mobley, Colin Sexton, who's out for the year, the finisher, Laurie Markkinen, who's still out, and Jared Allen. Um, the dubs ended up winning 104 to 89, but 
the Cavaliers led 54 to 51 at the half. And then at the start of the fourth, after the third, the Cavaliers led 81 to 68. And then the Warriors scored 36 to the Cleveland Cavaliers eight in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's yeah, so you you texted me during this game and said the Warriors usually take over in the third. Um, yes. And this was this was the rare occasion where the Warriors actually um, kind of fell behind in the third and then just yeah. annihilated them in the fourth. Dude, Curry had 40 points. 20 of them were in the fourth quarter. 20 mm-hmm. of them were in the fourth quarter. Um, let's see. Also, My Curry... Biggest- was one for one from free throw. Which yeah, so I that was that was what I was going to say. So free throws, there were really none in this game. The Warriors yeah. shot seven of eight from the stripe, and then the mm-hmm. Cavs nine of sixteen. So last week, I think we talked about free throws, and teams are averaging about twenty per game um, per team. So that's forty per game. You know, in this game, you had twenty four combined. So yeah. free free throws were really light in this one. Um, the Cavs just didn't shoot great across the board from three, from the field, from the line. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of caught up to them at the end there. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, valiant effort. The thing that stood out to me the most though, I'd say, uh, was Darius Garland. Um, that guy Mm -hmm. looks legitimate. Like he, especially in the beginning of the game, you know, second half, he wasn't quite as dominant, but he came out of the gate. I mean, he was shooting a step back. He was getting in the lane. He was dishing the ball. Um, I was really, really impressed by him. And, you know, a guy that we've talked about a couple times, Ricky Rubio, he didn't shoot the ball well at all. Um, But you can just tell that this team, that's why you can't play these games on paper, right? And you can't just trade guys who who are veteran guys if you're rebuilding because you can just see his fingerprints all over this team and you can see how much better these young guys are just by playing with Ricky Rubio. Like I, I, I felt like his presence was just like, you know, you have to watch the game to really see how much he impacts the game. And he's not passive, even though he's not a scorer, you know, like he's a pretty like tough little Spaniard dude, you know, like he gets pissed. Um, there were a couple of baseline drives that he had where he was just like, guys, get in fucking position, which I thought was mm-hmm. kind of funny. Uh, Garland, 25 points. Like, yeah, he, I mean, he was really the only Cavalier that had a good game. Aside from a Kevin Love sighting, he had 17 points, seven rebounds, four for 10 from three. Make of that what you will. But the dubs didn't really shoot that well either. You know, like yeah, they did not, um, not Jordan three. Poole and Maple Jordan had bad shooting nights. Kaminga went over four from the floor. Dre had four points, but he also had 14 dimes, but only two boards. I mean, this was an oddly like defensive ener- high energy game, I thought, and kind mm-hmm. of not a great offensive game from anybody until the fourth when Steph who is now leading the league at 29 and a half points per game, just took over. Um, we did get an Ed Davis game, which I love because Jared Allen was out. Old man, Ed. Old Ed went for 7 points, 14 boards. Just a vintage Ed game. I, I love him so much. Um, it's probably worth noting that with, with Mobley out, Dean Wade 
Yeah. Um, and seeing starter minutes. And say. yeah, and Dean, look, don't, who is he? Saying, he played 40 yeah, minutes. Like, who the fuck really is know that a whole guy? Lot about this guy? But I will say that he seems to be confident. Um, didn't really hesitate when he caught the ball and he was open. He let it fly. Yeah. Um, seems like he can shoot. He's he's a big guy, six foot ten. So you know he's going to going to clean the glass a little bit. But um, you know, Laurie Markinen is back now. So that's a guy that you know probably talk about a little bit more later in the show. Uh, but he's a guy that uh, that I'm looking at right now. At I believe he's about thirty percent owned right now. Um, and he's Markinen going to kind of have Dean Wade. There's no Markinen, fucking Wade. yes. Wade is no, no, no. Lar- okay, I was going to be like, no, Markinen. No, Does no, no, everyone no. know this guy but me? Are you all hanging out and talking about <laughs> Dean Wade without me? No. I mean, he Markinen, went 17-9-5, and five, dude. He had yeah. an actual game. Yeah, so Markin like, right now is 37% owned in ESPN yeah. leagues. Um, so I would expect to see him get a nice bump whenever he is officially cleared. Um, totally. I think he's I think he's cleared for tomorrow's game. Okay, so that's great. that might that might be someone that you, you look for for a uh for you know someone to pick up this week. And, Dude, with um, Mobley out, like Markinen yeah. is I mean they paid him, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're that's yeah, he's uh if he can regain his shooting form, then that's perfect. He was great in fantasy too. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, Jared Jared Allen will probably probably be back. So, Hopefully. you know, he will obviously retake his his role as, you know, the anchor there. Um, one other thing though I want to say is uh one thing, you know, I don't know if this necessarily helps or hurts his fantasy value, but this seems like a great, great situation on the Warriors for Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he gets to go up against the other teams at best second you know, best defender and oftentimes maybe their third or even fourth when Clay gets back. And there's this guy should be able to just roll out of bed and get 20 points on this team. And Dude, the fact that the team that drafted you <laughs> against the team that drafted you and traded you away. Like yeah. He was left out of that letter. By LeBron I, I would have thought home. that he would be the dude with the most at the end of the game. I really did. Like, what the fuck? But he's, well, he's he seems he seems to have really settled into his role, though. And it's and he seems like he's going to, you know, be the guy who is going to put the clamps down on the defensive end. But he's going to get he, I mean, if he doesn't score like 15 to 20 points every night, it's because, you know, he's not trying to. I mean, I want to say that Isaac Okoro did play good defense, I thought, and I do like him. But, like, the Dubs just had an off-shooting night all around, I think. Like, I'm not going to say that the Cavaliers' defense was the cause. I just think that, like, Steph took over because he saw that it wasn't happening with anybody else. Like, just nobody had touch. I don't think the Cavaliers' defense, with all these dudes out, is actually that good. Um I thought Damian Lee was good. He's been good for them all year. Like that stood out to me. Um yeah. any other thoughts? No, I mean we know the Warriors look great. They, they they are the class of the NBA right now. Um and the Cavs were shorthanded. They're missing, you know, probably two of their best three players. So um, you know, I think we kind of got the best of what we could have expected. 
all things being considered in that from that game. In that I mean, it was like watching Steph in the fourth really brought me back. Like that was cool, especially because before that started happening, the Cavs were winning. So like in a weird way, it was a cool game because you were just like, oh, all right, the Warriors had an off night and the Cavs get to steal one. Like that's cool. It happens all the time. And then Steph was like, no, 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 fuck that. I'm just yeah. going to win by myself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they scored 38 points and Steph had 20 of them in the fourth, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and the Cavs didn't even score 10. It was, it was very nostalgic. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's points per game leader right now. Like MVP is not an impossibility, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The challenge game for this upcoming week, Thanksgiving week, is from me to Brandon. Obviously, everybody's holiday plans, you know, we wanted to try to work with that. So what we're doing is the Pelicans at the Jazz on Friday night and on Saturday night. They're whatever the schedule. I mean, they just figured it out this way, but it's uh, it's a back-to-back the exact same teams, which is amazing. And so you can watch either of them. You can watch both of them. Doesn't matter, but our challenge game during this holiday week is two games for the price of one. And the Pelicans are dreadful. They're three and fifteen. And the Jazz are really good. They're eleven and five. Christmas came early, huh? Yeah, I mean, like, this is an opportunity. I am in my challenge games trying to get rid of the uh, bad teams first so that we can, like, challenge <laughs> oh, better are you? later I in the season. I couldn't tell. I couldn't On tell. the other hand, you know, like, seeing the Pelicans now going up against a legit team, we'll be able to see what B.I. can do. You know, I love Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, Joe, Jonas Valanciunas has been good. Like, there are dudes fantasy wise that it would be interesting to watch go up against this Utah defense. Um, And, you know, it's two games at Utah and new Orleans sucks. So let's get it out of the way while we're like fat (laughs) and full and high and drunk, just, you know, and we can do it either night. Anyway, that's the challenge game. Let's move on to our team focus for the week which is the Knicks. Brandon, your thoughts on the New York Knickerbockers. Um, so, you know, the Knicks, one of our local teams here, Brooklyn and, and New York, um, get to catch them probably a little more than I'd like. But uh, <laughs> Damn, <laughs> I mean, they're 9-7. and seven. <laughs> Fuck you. Jesus, they're fifth in the East. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't hate the Knicks. Um, the thing, my biggest, the, the, the thing that kind of sticks out the most to me about the Knicks is just like how deep their rotation is. They're going like 10 deep on any given night, which is kind of rare in today's league. You know, usually teams are kind of more in that nine deep and then really focusing more on eight players with one guy kind of just playing fringe minutes, but they're going a legit 10 deep. Right. And it's concentrated in the guards and in the, um, and in the, the the front court, right? So you've got you've got three point guards on any given night. You don't really know which one is going to get the minutes, right? Like I watched the Knicks Rockets, and 
Kemba Walker. Yeah. Kemba Walker is a starting point guard, plays 21 minutes. Derrick Rose and quickly backup guards, quickly is listed as a shooting guard, but for all intents and purposes, you know, he's he's a combo point shooting guard. Um, both played 21 minutes as well. So it's kind of hard to really predict who, you know, Tibbs is, it seems like Tibbs is going to go with the hot hand a little bit here. Um, so it's kind of hard to predict who's going to produce on any given night. Like Kemba Walker going for nine points, three assists and two rebounds is that's not if you, from a fantasy perspective, like that's, that's dreadful. Right. So you expect a starting point guard to, to be able to produce a little bit more, but it's going to be tough because you've got the other two guards, you've got Alex Burks coming off the bench. Um, and then like, you know, haven't even spoken about kind of the log jam they have in the front court too. Uh, the one guy I think from the Knicks who I think, you know, even though he's, he's not shooting the ball well right now, we've talked about him a little bit on the show, but, um, RJ Barrett to me seems like the only guy beyond, beyond Julius Randle, whose minutes are, are completely safe because he's the only guy that can kind of do what he does. Um, he's like a true like wing player who can guard a, another elite wing. He can, he can kind of play the two or the three. Um, the rest of these guys are all kind of combo scoring guards and big men. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's going to be tough to, to know like Mitchell Robinson versus Nerlens Noel on any given night, how much is Obi Topping going to play, you know, as Burks, there's probably going to be some nights where Burks does nothing. And then there's going to be nights like the game we watched where he, he's kind of like steals the show at the end. Right. So the Knicks, they're just so deep and they're playing everybody that it's, it's going to be a tough one to predict. I would say in, in deeper leagues, deeper fantasy leagues, um, you know, they have a lot of guys that are valuable here, but if you're in a weekly league, it's going to be tough to, to really rely on anyone beyond Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. Dude, the minutes, like this is a Tom Thibodeau team, mm-hmm. you know, like a dude that plays his starters, 57 minutes every 48 minute game you know it's like this is he's not doing that here well okay let me let me give you some numbers the starters for the knicks are averaging 66.9 points per game which is 26th in the nba the bench is scoring 40.7 which is third yeah uh kemba and Fournier, their two big offseason acquisitions, do not play in the fourth quarter. They don't close. So Kemba, who's averaging 12, 2, and 3, and he's number 128 on the player rater for basic, like you have to, in your calculus of having him on your team, you have to realize like he's probably not going to close. And if he's not scoring, then there's no real reason to have him out there. Yeah, that's uh, that's terrible in fantasy, right? Like that. Yeah. If you if really you have Kemba Walker on your team right now, like you're you're considering maybe dropping him, right? I mean, he's not quite there yet, but twelve, Dude, I, two, and three. I mean, come on. Like in real life, I'm almost consider like Tibbs brings him off the bench, you know, and tries to inject like some scoring that way, um, because. It's just not working. Like the Knicks are almost, they're not dreadful to watch, but it is grinding. Yeah, it's um, not fun, man. I mean, just a few numbers. Like 
they're fifth in the East right now. They're th- they have the 13th best point differential. They have the 11th best offensive rating, the 17th best defensive rating. Um, they're 14th in drives per game and they're 13th in field goal percentage on drives. They're eighth in three point attempts per game, which surprised me. And they're third in three point percentage. Um, they're 22nd in free throw percentage, which, which sucks because they're 10th in free throw attempts. So they're leaving a lot of points um, with their bad free throw percentage on that. It's like you see all these numbers and then you see the season record of nine and seven. And you're, you're like, oh, yeah, successful. This is good. Um, and then you actually watch them play and it doesn't look good. Like you are starting guys that you cannot close with and the guys that come off the bench to replace them are just totally better. They're just abs in the way that you play, you know, like in the style that you play, they're just better. Um, I, I, I don't know. From my perspective, none of these guys really stand out that much though. I think they just, they all are playing their role. And that's fine, but it's got to be hard for these guys to, like, build a consistent rhythm on a night-to-night basis because, you know, you just don't know how much you're going to play on any given night if you're not coming out of the gate. Uh, I've seen games from Fournier where Fournier looks like he's worth the money they paid him, and then you see other games where, like you said, he doesn't play at the end of the game and he gives you, like, seven or eight points. So it's it's just hard to know, and it's like, you know, from a fantasy manager perspective, it's tough, right? It, it's hard to, to to feel any sort of confidence when you when you're you know banking on these players. But I got to imagine, even from from an actual basketball player standpoint, this has got to be a tough situation to play in. Like if you're Emmanuel quickly, after you know having kind of the 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 season he had last year to kind of come into this situation, yeah, yeah, it's like that's got to be really frustrating, right? So even so, then when he does play, is he in the right mindset? Is he really going to play to his you know optimal state? I don't know. I just I don't love this situation. I just wish that there was a little more clarity on like the pecking order. And to me, Kemba doesn't really have that much trade value. So I would just like exchange his minutes with Quickly's. Like I'd play Quickly much more. Um, but also Talk about a fall like, from grace. Have we, I mean, he's got to be one of the guys whose value dropped the most in the last three years. He just did so much when he was in Charlotte on the offense that you weren't expecting him to do anything on defense. And then it's like, okay, you suffered injuries and you're a small guard anyway, and you're not really a two way player. And all of that is colliding. And it's like the Knicks were hoping for a guy who scored at least 20 a night. And he might just be going through the slump that everybody is, you know, like that's totally possible. The Knicks from the games that I've seen, they do not look like a team that's in mid season form, you know, like orange Julius isn't driving as much as he should. Um, They're, they're so up and down, like you said, and inconsistent, but it's also a Tom Thibodeau team and they're in fifth place. You know, like Mm -hmm. even though they've looked bad, they've still had success and they still play hard. So I think some of this goes back to what you said about R.J. Barrett, who is at least the second most important player on the team, maybe the first or tied with the first with Julius. But like 
he's 15, five and five right now. I think, you know, like he just hasn't started the season super great. Um, well, shooting, shooting has been, been, you it's know, 31% bad. from outside, but that'll get better. You but know, that's, yeah. Like you expect that'll change. He's going to get the minutes. He's going to get the opportunity. Yeah. He is, he and, and Julius are the only guys that don't have to worry about getting yanked. Right. Like they're going to play. Uh, I mean, you would be uh, sabotage to pull RJ. Like they don't if, have anyone else like that can. If, even like play I don't even know if any. if Leon Rose would be like Tibbs, you're fired if you bring him off the bench. Or yeah, I, you so know, I, I think I think, think I'll, yes, no. I'm confident banking on him to round slow. it out. Yeah, everyone's almost everyone has been shooting poorly to start the season. It's going to improve at least a little bit. Like people aren't this bad, and the rules, even though they've changed, it's not like catch and shoot threes. It shouldn't have anything to do with that. So whatever. But uh, yeah, unimpressed by the Knicks, even though I think that they can do better. I still don't feel like they're like I'm not afraid of them in the playoffs at all. Yeah. No. Agreed. Okay, let's move on to comment on our studs and duds from last week. Last week, Brandon said that Cade Cunningham, go Pistons, would be a stud this week. And shit, you were right. He had a triple-double today against the Lakers. And even before that, it was still a win. Um, He averaged 27-6 over the past week. Cade looked great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cade, Cade is, you know, he's settling in. Um, you know, he may struggle with the shot all season, but I don't think that really is going to hold him back that much from a fantasy standpoint, just because he's going to do so many other things and he's going to have such a high usage that, uh, you know, he, he could go, you know, he can shoot sub 40% and still probably easily give you, you know, 12 to 15 points. And he's going to give you, you know, I would bank on most nights. He's going to give you at least 10 combined rebounds and assists too. So, you know, you're talking about a guy who like on a bad night is like 13, five, five, right. Like, um, and then, you know, if he gets a deflection or a block, right. That kind of just is the icing on the cake. So I I think this is guy's going to be like an easy fantasy stud, kind of like a Julius Randall, right. Where, Julius Randle, I don't think anyone necessarily looks at him right now and says that he is a guy that is a, you know, dominant, dominant basketball player, but he's an all-star and he's a guy that can like fill up the stat sheet every night. And that's kind of how I see Cade. Like not saying that he can't develop into being a a true superstar, but I don't, I think for fantasy value, he doesn't have to, to, to just, you know, be a top 50 guy. Cade is a good player with a long leash on a bad team. And that is fantasy fucking gold. I think that he could even end the year top 50 player Raider just because of the volume and maybe a not too infrequent triple double, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, he's gotten better every single game he's played he looks like he's the most talented player on the court for the pistons no question um this is a team that could 
make trades later in the season, which would perhaps even increase Cade's already significant role. So yeah, I think the sky's the limit in fantasy for Cade. I don't know whether he's going to be a, a in a real life good player for a couple of years because you know just like with everybody else, got to learn your sets. You know, mm-hmm. like he's already a good defender, but um, you see him making some mistakes. But he's great. I mean, he's just fantasy gold. He's a guy that's going to get drafted in the first three rounds, I think, next year. Like he's he's that good with volume because good player on a bad team. Yeah, uh, and and like you said, you know, he's not – he doesn't necessarily – like I said, he doesn't really have to shoot that well to be right. really productive from a fantasy perspective. So if he has the occasional night where his shot's falling too, then he's just – he's going to put up like – those are going to be – those are going to be the nights where he's putting up, you know, those Julius Randle, you know, borderline like LeBron type numbers. And he's just all over the court. It is fun to watch him just in terms of real basketball. Like this is, uh, I don't really care about rookie of the year stuff for him. I'm just glad he might, he, he might be right ball. back in it. Though. I mean, Mobley, oh, for sure. Mobley heard, uh, he might have thrust himself, right. Anytime he, you get a guys, triple double. Exactly. He's like running the team, you know? Yeah. And like, God damn, thank God for Dwayne Casey, because he's just so good with guards, you know, mm-hmm. like, he, and he knows how to build benches. But anyway, moving on, my stud was Lou Dort. I win that one uh, from the volume. He also averaged 20 points and five rebounds over the past week. Yeah, he, I wasn't he expecting that much. This week. Hell yeah, dude. Wow, that was super Right lucky. after we, we did our thunder our Thunder focus last week, I told you, I thought Dort, look, is he a guy long-term? I don't know, but I think Oklahoma City wants to see if he's a guy. I think there's going to be an opportunity for Dort. Um, yeah. Is he going Dort's to average 20 points play. a game? No, but he could average 16, 17. He's going to be a guy who's out there, and whenever he has three or four games, he's worthy of at least streaming. Just because, you know, I mean, you know, anytime you can average 20 points per game over a week, that's nice. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, he looks like he's a he's a, a decent shooter. So and He's a glue guy on a bad young team. You know, like guys tend to accumulate stats. Right. Yeah, no, that was a uh, good call. Okay, the duds for last week. So Brandon's dud was Draymond Green, who is playing tonight. So that's a TBD. Um, he, The Warriors had four games this week, but Dre sat for the one against the Pistons. Um, technically, he has a worse player rating over the last seven games. So, like, you know, that's if he has a, another mediocre to medium game, he'll – be a dud i think he'll win that if he has a great game tonight though he might lose it i don't know yeah he had uh i think in the um Cavs game i think he had 14 assists yeah and like four, four points or something yeah so he went uh, four 14 no he went four two and 14 that was his yeah in two boards it's a, it's a four pretty points. cool pretty cool stat line i love seeing stuff like that I was so upset that we didn't get to see him play Mobley. I was like, that's going to be a really fucking cool matchup. But That would have been fun. 
My dud was Derek White, who sucked. He only had two games. He scored 23 total points in those two games. He only had four points against Minnesota. He's slumping super-duper hard. I win the fuck out of that one. Um, Derek White needs to watch out. Like, there's a big mouth to feed on the Spurs, and if he doesn't break out of his slump soon, then I think some of those other guys could start taking over. Uh, we are not going to do studs and duds this week. I am just going to mention a few things. Um, Luca only has two games this week, and he's coming back from an ankle inju- injury, presumably. You know, it's not like a sure thing that he's going to play in the first game. So if you're in a weekly league, it is so hard to sit a dude who's 99% rostered. But even if he does come back, his minutes could be capped. So, like, he might not get starter, you know, the full complement of his starter's minutes. So I, I, if you have a dude who can give you four games and you can slot him in there, I would suggest considering it. I know it's so hard sitting a dude who's 99%. And, like, he could have a triple-double in one game and then win you the week. And then I'm the asshole. So it's rough, but, like, worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, like, Bobby Portis, like Brandon mentioned, maybe the past two weeks, uh, who's 36% rostered. The Bucks have four games this week. Orlando, so, Detroit, So Denver, Portis, Portis was my volume guy. Oh, he's your – okay, then never mind. Okay, cool. No, 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 that's cool. Let's talk about him now, Mr. Bobby okay, Portis. Okay, he's your volume, dude. Yeah, all right. We, so, so we brought him up a couple weeks ago. We mentioned that Brolo's been out um, kind of – Since the I don't first know, there, game of the season. Yeah, the only is there, is there, game. Does he have an ETA at this point? I don't. I haven't. They seen keep it. being Maybe. vague about shit. It's like I'm getting better, but I'm not going to come back until I'm 100. percent And yeah. honestly, I sort of feel like that's the right thing to do. Like it's a back yeah. issue, and you're, and you're playing for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Like if Brolo is the difference between you making the playoffs and not, then that's a bigger. That's another conversation. Like you should, yeah. especially with the way Portis has been playing. Yeah. So Portis. I mean, he's been he's been even better than than I would have expected. Um, like I said, he he's a really good rebounder. Um, he can defend. He can score. He has an opportunity, and he can shoot the three. I mean, there's really not much to like about him right now. I have um, stats for you, boy. Do hit I. me with it. Hit me okay. with it. Well, actually, before before you do yeah, that, you give me yours. I'd yeah, just like to point out your volume. So he's, he's sh- so on the year he's, he's shooting about 42% from deep 48% from the field. And mm-hmm. um, you know, so he's shooting the ball pretty, pretty well. Um, but last year, you know, I know it was a, 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 you know, small sample size, just one season, but he shot the ball 47% from deep last year, not saying he's going to do that, not saying he's even going to approach that, but it does suggest to me that he might be a guy who could who can sustain this 41, 42% from deep. And if he's going to continue to attempt, um, you know, close to five threes a game, it's, it's going to translate to, to scoring. And we already know what he's going to do on the re- on the defensive side with the defensive glass. And he's a really good offensive rebounder too. So um, love Portis for volume. I love him just going forward. And until Brolo comes back, I just don't see anyone else really competing with him for minutes. It's perfect for Milwaukee. 
they fu- they're so they're so grateful he resigned with them for less money. Um, also, the Bucks, like I said, they're playing the Magic at home. They're playing the Pistons at home. Then they get to play at Denver and at the Pacers. Like Denver's a mash unit, and the Pacers, who knows from night to night, although their front court is for real. Um, but like three of those games should be actually pretty nice for Portis, I think. Um, okay. Only one thing, real quick, just on the on the you mentioned Indy's yeah. front court. Indy, did you know that Indy right now is leading the league in blocks? And I know a lot of that is Miles Turner. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. A lot of that is Miles Turner. He's he's over like three blocks a game or something. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, you can still make the argument both ways about which player you'd rather have, Sabonis or, or Turner. Because if you got rid of either of them and, you know... No, Sabonis has been amazing. Yeah, sure. But Turner does think... Like, Sabonis... No, it's can, tough. Can I, be, I agree. Both of them are amazing. Like Turner is the sort of guy in the front court that I think can help you win a championship. Sabonis is not. Like Sabonis, he needs to have Sabonis, the team around him to really be that effective, I think. Yeah, Sabonis is probably a guy who helps you win more regular season games. Um, whereas Turner, like you said, is probably he he's kind of the prototypical big right now but i i i dude this was a, this was a tangent action from three yeah you're right okay um getting back to bobby portis okay over the past two weeks and portis uh missed games to start the season but just over the past two weeks he's averaging 17 plus points per game nine plus rebounds per game one plus dime one plus steal and two plus three pointers made mm-hmm. only Nine players in the NBA are currently averaging seven, at least seventeen points per game and nine plus and nine rebounds per game. Okay, only nine dudes do that. Only two average seventeen plus points per game, nine plus rebounds per game, and two plus three pointers made per game. So if Portis can keep this up for the rest of the season, he would be the third after these two. Can you guess those two? More than 17 points, or at least 17 points, and at least nine rebounds, and at least two three-pointers made. Only two dudes are doing that right now. Um, Julius Randle? Mm-hmm. Bing bong. Nice job. Yep, that's one of them. I want to say Luca, but I feel like his rebounding maybe isn't quite that high. No, maybe his threes aren't that high. It's not Luca, really. Paul George, he's not. No, but that's a good rebounds. guess. Um, give me, I'll take Could one be. more guess. Like Paul, one. I mean PG thirteen has been for real this year. Let's see. Can I think of one more? One more. Um, A big who can shoot threes. Anthony Davis? No, close. It's the big cat. It's Carl Ah, Anthony Towns. Of course. Right. Of course. Who has been, you know, strangely quiet this year. Like, he's not shooting enough. I mean, the Timberwolves have kind of been quiet, but that's because no one gives a shit. Like, ants on that team. Anyway, 
if Portis can keep up the 17 and nine with the three pointers that, like you said, from last year, he should be able to, like he's proven he can, mm-hmm. then he's going to be on a list of three. And that's yeah. fucking amazing because yeah. Portis also has eligibility at center. So mm-hmm. if you can replicate a guy like Cat, I mean, he's not, Portis isn't scoring 25 a game, but like 80% of Cat for what, 36% rostered? Like, yeah, you should take advantage of that. Yes, you should. You've been totally right about that from the beginning. Yeah, okay. that one is an that- easy one. That was your volume, dude. My volume, dude, is a guy uh, who is also in the 30s. He's 32% rostered. It's Talon Horton Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers play at the Knicks, at the Pacers, and that's a back-to-back, so maybe LeBron doesn't play both of those. And then um, in L.A. for Sacramento and Detroit, two games that they should definitely win. So they get four games. Since Tamlin Horton Tucker came back, he's averaged 18, 6, and 2 with one steal per game. He's had some bad ones also, like he scored four points. He didn't look great against the Pistons today, but he definitely contributed. I just think that he's going to get volume because I don't think that LeBron's going to play both games of that back to back. And uh, I think that THT's defense, especially with AD, is incredibly valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be out there on the floor for a lot. Uh, so yeah, thirty-two percent rostered. That's my volume guy. I like. Do it. you have? Oh yeah. Any thoughts on THT? Yeah, I mean, we talked about him a little bit last week. So you know, my my thing with with THT is like, like many guys who come into the NBA who you know are really really athletic and a little bit of projection. His jump shot is going to be inconsistent some nights. Yeah. Um, but I think given the situation, I mean, this, <clears throat> it's, it's amazing how different the situation is in just a year. Like he was buried on the depth chart last year. Right. And then like, now it's like, we're like they're like, Taylor, yeah, score 20. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> he scored 28 and like, 25, you know, yeah. like against Chicago and then against the Bucks, which mm-hmm. is kind of insane, but Yeah. He they, and they paid him. They want him there. Like they could have sent him out. Yeah. So I mean, um, you know, the Lakers have shown that they could they can draft well. They've drafted you know pretty good talent for the most part. They don't keep them on the team always, but uh, maybe this is the guy they actually do keep around. So imagine um, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, KCP. Like if they had just kept Julius Randle. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, they a lot of talent has gone through there for sure, um, mm-hmm. but they still have a ton, and people need to chill out on the Lakers. Like it's it, it's fine. If we're twenty percent into the season, and you know they've been without LeBron for all but f- five games or something like that, it's fine. I agree, but they did just get the doors blown off of them with LeBron on uh, by Boston the other night, so. But they were losing to the Pistons and LeBron got ejected in the third and then they won that game. So like Pistons. Yeah, sure. But you need those wins, right? Like that's why Westbrook to me is still on the team and still makes sense to LeBron because it's like in games where I'm not there, 
Westbrook's a dude that can help you win, which is exactly what like Anthony Davis is too, or what he's supposed to be. Um, there aren't that many dudes in the league. Like Buddy Heald doesn't take over games, but Westbrook can. You know what I mean? True. Yeah, definitely true. He's a guy that when without LeBron, he's a guy who can take over. Like Westbrook should be able to beat the five worst teams in the league with Anthony Davis and without LeBron, I think. You should just be able to do that. Yeah, it's what he's doing tonight. Yeah. And who cares if it's ugly? Whatever. Okay. Uh, do you have any under twenty percent rostered ads for the week? Uh, yeah. So I, I just I want to just throw out a few names at different percentiles, but I'll focus Dude. on my my lower owned guys. But I'll just throw out a couple names here um, uh, for for more shallow leagues. So Josh Giddy still under fifty percent. Yes. Good. Um, God damn it. Giddy up. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Yeah. If, if everything that we're saying about Cade, um, this is like a poor man's, he's going to give you poor man Cade Cunningham type production. So, you know, if Cade, Cade will be 90% owned probably in like a week. Um, Giddy should probably be 65 to 70% if Cade's at 90. Um, yeah. He's still at under 50 right now. And, I mean, assists are just so hard to come by. And this guy, they trust him with the ball in his hands. If you watch OKC, um, Gilgis Alexander is the, the lead guard, but he's not really really like a pure point guard facilitator as much. Um, he can play off the ball. He likes to cut. He likes to catch the ball and cut. He likes to, you know, do, you know, catch he he'll score on the perimeter like some catch and shoot situations too so fucking 25 times a game and shit like yeah he looks like but but giddy but he looks like flash (laughs) yeah but i think those are going to be some easy dimes for giddy right like giddy's going to find him cutting and giddy's going to have the opportunity to like be more of that facilitator kind of in the way that ricky rubio is doing what he's doing in cleveland where you know he may not be necessarily the lead guard but he's kind of the lead facilitator that's what i see with giddy so that's just a guy under 50 um under 40 like 10 7 and 7 over the past week or something like that isn't he like he's like his scoring his scoring gets even just a little (laughs) bit better he'll he'll be a dude where it's like okay you you can get a couple of triple doubles at least every season yeah um yeah, agreed. So and under he's 40, he's 19. under 40%. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, 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 they keep getting younger, Natty. You keep getting older. Um, under 40, a couple guys I, I like. Aaron Gordon, we talked about him. Uh, we talked about marketing earlier in the show. So just, you know, keep it, keep in mind that, like we said, Mobley is looking, it looks like Mobley is going to be out for a few weeks. Um, you know, Kevin loves playing a little bit, but I think that Markinen should see starter minutes right away and continue to kind of, you know, be able to, to put up his numbers. Um, so that's Dude, the guy's under sorry. 40. Sorry to interrupt, but like, if you're the Cavs front office, you're like, Hey, Hey, Evan, you, you can take one <laughs> or two weeks, even after you feel a hundred percent, we don't need you to no go doubt. right away. They should no be, doubt. but um, yeah, for sure. Um, and then under 30, um, another volume guy this week on the, the Bucks, who you may have mentioned him before, but we definitely talked about him on the pod, but 
Grayson Allen right now is uh, Grayson Allen is <laughs> is he's, he's like up the shots rostered like a top seventy five player. Yeah, yeah. Was that your guy? No, no. Because oh, fuck okay. it. Go. Oh yeah. Go. Yeah, no, he – but Grayson right now is attempting eight and a half threes a game. Um, he's hitting him at 42%. He's a career 39% three-point shooter. He's hitting 92% of his free throw attempts. Now, granted, he doesn't get to the line much, but that just suggests to me that this guy is as good of a shooter as he was advertised coming out of college. And he's another guy on the Bucks who's got an opportunity right now, and he's playing off of, you know, probably the most dominant guy in the league. So, you know, he's going to get open threes, and um, he's legit. I mean, the guy can shoot the three. Now, can he – is he going to uh, be, like, as good – you know, a good enough all-around player for them to, to play him 30 minutes a game and, and win a championship? I don't know. But from a fantasy perspective where you're mostly focused on offensive categories, you know, as long as this guy's playing these kind of minutes and they're letting him let it fly eight and a half times from deep, Sign me up. He, his reputation, like all the tripping and all the bullshit from college, doesn't seem to have translated to the NBA. From what I've been able to read, uh, everyone seems to love him, and he plays super hard. He won some of those games um, when the Bucks were a mash unit. People are coming back. Uh, he has turned himself into one of the best snipers in the league, and the Bucks need outside shooting in order to optimize Giannis, which is what we were just talking about with Bobby Portis. So like when you can go four out one in and the one in is Giannis, then yeah. you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Grayson Allen, you're right. The defense, we're going to have to wait and see, but right now the Bucks have Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, and eventually Dante DiVincenzo. And they're all three sort of playing they're supposed to be interchangeable. And if Grayson Allen is the best of those three, then that means he gets to start, I think. Um, and yeah. when you and can start next to Giannis, and like that's just such a gift. And Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you know, like it's there's he's he's in a situation to succeed. You're it's absolutely the perfect right. situation for him. Yeah. Um and, Honestly, whether he starts or comes off the bench, really, because like he plays sort of the same role no matter what. He's there to keep the lanes open and spread the floor. Yeah, uh, one other one other thirty percent guy. I don't. I won't talk about him much because we've already talked about him. But he's still under thirty. Is is Franz Wagner? He's playing four games this week, guys. Pick him up. Just yeah. pick him up already. No one I mean, watches guy, Magic games, which is fine. The, the guy's cool. a stud. The guy's a stud, dude. The problem uh, is. That, like, you know, the higher draft picks, like Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, like some of the dudes haven't really wowed. And Cade only just came back and has only just started looking good. And Mobley's out. You know, it's like this draft is. It's not that it's draft a lot. It's just, oh, yeah. I I don't want to be like it's disappointing. It's just that, you know, like bad luck to start. Yeah. You're right. Um, but all right, Wagner is what number eight, and like the motherfucker six ten, and he's he has no competition. Like he gets to play until Jonathan Isaac comes back, if he comes back. He's he's good, man. He's real good. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
All right. And I now, so you asked me for a 20% and I, I, this is a 20% guy that I think is kind of a right momentum guy. Um, I don't think he's a guy that necessarily is going to be, you know, a guy who's going to produce all year, but uh, while he's playing, I'll take my chances on him. Um, 20%. This is Josh Hart. So last year. Yeah. So, you know, while he plays, he's, he's been productive. He's like a, yeah, he's kind of like a high rebound um, shooting guard. So it's kind of brings a unique skill set, a unique skill set to the position. But over the last week, he's averaging 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists. uh, I think almost two stocks and he's shooting about one and a half threes a game. Um, So again, you know, he's going to have some clunkers, but the good thing about Hart is if he plays, if he gets, you know, consistent minutes, even if his shot's not falling, he'll still get you a ton of rebounds. And it looks like he's going to get yeah. you a couple of dimes too. So, um, you know, that's a guy I like as long as he's playing. You got to monitor it closely. And, you know, if he starts losing minutes, then he's not, you know, take him out. But if he, you know, if it looks like he's going to play 25 minutes a game, then he's a guy who can, you know, at 20, at 20%, if you're looking for someone under 20%, he's a, a guy I like. Dude, who's on that team? You know, it's like, <laughs> honestly, ugh, man, that, what a disservice. Yeah. Whatever. I can't wait to watch them beat the Jazz. Um, okay. I, for my under 20%, I actually have two under 10 because that oh, okay. was less than 20. And I feel like that's okay, technically. Hey, um, do it. Yeah. We fly by the seats of our pants here. Uh, JaVale McGee has been a top 75 player over the past two weeks. Some of that was with uh, DeAndre Aiden sitting, but number 63 on the player Raider is number 63 on the player Raider. He is eight and a half percent rostered. The Phoenix Suns have four games this week at the Spurs, at the Cavs, at the Knicks and at the Nets. Those are four games that JaVale could see a lot of PT in. Um mm-hmm especially if the Suns don't want to play Aiton in back-to-backs. Uh, JaVale's averaging 10-7 and seven on the year with one-plus block per game on the one-plus block per game. A lot of hard consonants there on the season, and that's uh, starting and coming off the bench. He's just a nice source of rebounds uh, that come cheap, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's... We have we talk a lot about how scarce dimes are and assists like dependable point guards, like I'm going to say in a second, like getting f- at least four assists per game is super nice from a player. You know, getting boards is nice, too. Like if you can get seven rebounds per game, that's going to be valuable in streaming, at least. And JaVale's yeah. getting minutes, especially while Frank the Tank is injured. Uh, the other guy is also a top 100 player over the past two weeks. He is 9% rostered. He also gets four games. This is Patrick Beverly of the Minnesota Cats, who has pulled the team together. Now they're an elite threat, maybe. Anyway, look at this schedule. They get to play at the Pelicans, then at home for the Heat, at Charlotte, and then at Philadelphia. Those are four games where Patrick Beverly is going to be getting up into people's faces. I think he'll have a really big role in all four of them, especially the Heat game. Like, he's just going to get all up in Kyle Lowry's shit and Jimmy's shit 
all goddamn game, and he'll be the only guy who does it. You know, yeah. well, Ant will too, I guess. But like Pat Bev will be aggressive about it. But over the past week, he's averaging ten five and five with a steal and a block per game. That's nice, no matter what position you're you're in. But like from a point guard, that's great. Um, he's another cheap source of boards, especially for a guard, and he gets you dimes. Um, and he is due for some positive regression with his threes. He's shot better previous seasons. So, okay. you know, it's super unsexy, and you actually like him more for the attitude, but he has sort of seemed to mesh a little bit with these Timberwolves. Yeah, he has. Bill sucks. Um, but, you know, like, he's he's delivering and counting stats. Like, anyone who gives you five and five, Five rebounds and five assists. I mean, like you have to pay attention to them. At least, yeah, at no, he. Streaming. It it seems like his playmaking has taken kind of that next step, and um, <clears throat> you know he's he's. I think because of that, that's going to keep him on the floor, um, because you know now he's not a guy that is like a black hole offensively. Uh, yeah. Even if you know if he's he's not going to be a knockdown shooter, but if he can hit the shot at a respectable clip and kind of make plays every now and then, then that's a guy you can, you can keep on the floor, right? Because his defense is, is obviously, you know, tremendous. So I like it. And it's funny in our league, I've tried to pick him up a couple times and like people keep beating me to it. Yeah. No one, no, no one's like holding on to him, but everyone, quite a few people are streaming him. I like the, the counting stats in both boards and dimes is really nice, but I, in real life, I just sort of feel like maybe he's the perfect dude to have with Cat and Anthony Edwards. Like, just a hard edge, like, listen, fuck the rest of this league, fuck what everyone is saying. Like, let's just play out there. Because, <laughs> like, Pat Bev doesn't owe anyone anything. He's been traded, yeah. he gets disrespected, he still doesn't give a shit. Like he'll get up in LeBron's chest. He's great. I love him. I wish he was a piston so hard. Uh, he does seem like a piston. He doesn't he? Or at, like if he were a Nick, he would be beloved. You know, like they already would have mm-hmm. retired his jersey. Uh, <laughs> I have a dynasty pick. Do you have a dynasty pick? Uh, I don't have a dynasty pick, but I do have a two percent owned guy Ooh, that I think nice. is might okay. might be a, a decent stream in, in a really really deep league. Give it to so, us. So, um, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but Danilo Gallinari. Okay. Uh, last, in his it. last four games, he's playing 26 minutes a game, putting up 11 points, five rebounds, one assist, one and a half stocks. You know he can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Um, DeAndre Hunter is hurt right now. So it looks yeah. like there's a little wow. bit of an opportunity for Danilo to get, get some added minutes as, um, to, uh, you know, as the backup there at the power forward spot. So, um, not a guy who he's not a dynasty pick. Like we don't, I don't think he's getting better with time. Um, but <laughs> But, uh, you know, in the interim, like, if he's going to get some minutes, if he's going to play 25 minutes a game, you know, he's going to give you a few counting stats, and he's a really good shooter. So that's a guy I trust to to be able to hit that shot at a consistent clip, you know, even if he's not playing, you know, starter minutes. Um, so, yeah, 2% owned. 
someone worth a flyer if you're looking, if you really need to dig deep this week. He was basically the best player on the Denver Nuggets for like three seasons. You know, like mm-hmm. that's a dude who has such a reduced role and has been injured that I think we uh, forgot about him a little bit. But, you know, when the Hawks signed him, it wasn't a coup, but it was sort of like, oh, shit. Well, that's a really good player going to this team. Um, what's his role going to be? And it's been low because, I mean, it's been limited because of all the <clears throat> rookie and younger dudes on the team but now with hunter out you know it's like we're still gonna pull cam reddish off the bench and danilo get out there you know and help us yeah and he's like he's been successful before for sure and he's a big man right i mean as much as the league has gone to he's 610 right and so the league has gone to playing you know wings at in the front court but like in certain matchups, you need a guy who's a legitimate, who's, who's got the size of a true power forward. So, you know, I think he that he's, he can distribute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a, he's a smart player. Um, and he's a guy who, like you said, health is usually, a, is always a big concern with him. Um, but in the short term, um, you know, he's a career 38% three point shooter. He shot over 40% each of the last three seasons. So, you know, there's value in that. You know, honestly, I thought when they signed him that he was going to be the second best player next to Trey. And I was like, that's kind of going to be a cool duo. Um, but yeah, it's just injuries have diminished him. But if he's healthy and he gets these minutes, then absolutely. Um, well, I did not think he was going to be the second best player next to Trey, but that's good to know, Natty. I mean, they didn't have Clint Capella at that point. Uh, John Collins wasn't John Collins. Because in Denver, he had like a top 10 plus minus for three years in a row or something like that. Like he was really good. He had two seasons in Denver where he, yeah, in two seasons in Denver where he was like 19 points, five rebounds, a couple assists, and he was shooting, you know, high 30s from three. So, you know, that was really valuable. I mean, not that the Nuggets went anywhere. Um, My dynasty pick is from this challenge game. Or no, we watched the Cavs. It was from Houston. Sorry, we both watched the Houston game. Okay, yeah. Uh, Alperin Sengun, he just looks so cool, man. He looks, he's 19 years old. Sengun, excuse me. Uh, he's 19 years old. He's 6'10". He played against pros in Europe, but he's not getting the minutes just yet in Houston. But I looked this shit up. Okay, out of everyone in the NBA right now who posts up at least two times per game, (laughs) okay, Senjin is tied for the fourth best field goal percentage in post-ups. He's tied with LeBron. Like, he and LeBron, when they post up, score at the exact same rate. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like the fact that Senjin is, like, he just has old man, you know, feet, you know? Like, he has these old man interior paint moves, and it's a really kind of nostalgic retro way to play. 
and I've just really enjoyed watching him all the time that I've seen him, you know, in the first 20 games. Uh, he's not getting the minutes or the shots yet, but obviously Houston did, did not draft him to do nothing. So they're going to try to develop him over the next couple of years. I've already tried to buy him cheaply in our main league and Willie rebuffed me <laughs> immediately. Um, not surprised. But like when you have old man moves in the paint and you can actually score against dudes that are bigger than you, that suggests to me that you know what you're doing. So I yeah. think that Sinjin can grow into at least a dude who gets you low double doubles if he gets the minutes um, on a consistent basis. And I'm pretty excited about him. Like if they get rid yeah. of, if they trade Christian Wood or, you know, like do some other shit. Like I could see him ending the year at a much better player rating than he has right now. Um, he's not a must add, but if you have a roster spot to burn, I think you should pick him up and I think you should actually watch him play. Cause it is like kind of 1980s fun. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Senjin, I think in our first or second episode of the season and, um, and I think at the time I mentioned this guy was like the MVP of the Turkish league last year. That's right. Think, right. That's right. So, yeah. so, I mean, he's not, he's not a guy who's just like a hundred percent projection. Right. I mean, in theory, he, he's going to kind of come in and hit the ground running a little bit. I mean, he's, he's definitely had some moments on defense where he's looked um out of place and he's he's struggling but he's 19 years old and you know he's playing the five and it's going to take some time but yeah I I like him too um if I don't I don't if I had to guess I don't think the Rockets trade Christian Wood but if they do trade Christian Wood that would just immediately open the floodgates for this guy so um you know I totally agree with you there as far as potential upside for him down the road um, if and when, you know, Houston makes some trades. But, uh, you know, in a dynasty league, this guy, I'd say he's a must-own in a dynasty league right now. Like, I just, I think it's just so much fun to watch <clears throat> dudes in the NBA who are idiosyncratic. Like, they're just not, they don't look cookie-cutter. They're not like mm-hmm. everybody else, whether because they just are specialists or because they don't really look the part, but this is a fucking 19 year old who's like dynamite in the goddamn paint, you know? And it's like really weird to see. And it's super cool. Like, I really want to watch rocket. I want to watch him versus go bear. I want to watch this AD. Like, I just want to see this fucking little kid go up against the best centers in the league. Um, Cause he impressed me. I didn't think someone would be able to do that at such a young age. Um, okay. Those are our ads. Do you have any final thoughts for the week? Any Thanksgiving day, you know, prognostications? Um, not just, uh, you know, not really fantasy related, but just a couple things that stood out to me when I, I was looking through kind of team statistics. Um, so I mentioned one that Indy is number one in blocks, but, uh, one thing that stood out to me was, uh, Denver is actually number one in scoring defense. So really for what it's worth, um, teams are not putting up a ton of points against the Nuggets right now. Maybe that's a function of who they've played and, uh, you know, some injuries, but that, that surprised me. I don't, I don't immediately think of Denver as a, as a, uh, 
you know, defensive stronghold. I wonder if that's, I mean, Nikola Jokic, his PER, I mean, people have probably read about this, but like he, he's operating at a level that hasn't really been seen since Wilt Chamberlain in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you know, percentage of win shares per game for a player. Well, cause he's always, he's always been an amazing distributor and rebounder, but like yeah, his an offensive player, now, but he's not known for like being an all around. He's been amazing course. though. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's putting up the last two years, you know, 26 points a game to go with. And then now he's giving you 13 rebounds. He's the MVP. <laughs> He's super young. He's without uh, the two other good players on the team. Well, the the second best players on the team in Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. And he's playing better. I mean, this he's is... 59% from the field. You know, if you're Jokic, you probably came into this season being like, I won the MVP, but everyone said it's only because I played more games than Joel Embiid. Well, let's fucking prove him wrong. Like, mm-hmm. why can't I win again? You know? Yeah. Um, and then if, one of the things like thing... you'll have to win again, by the way. Otherwise, like, that's what matter. Like, the win loss record will go out the window. It'll be like, it'll be like when Westbrook averaged the triple double. People will be like, okay, cool. You broke a record. You get the MVP. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think Steph Curry's putting up a pretty strong case for it, too. And his numbers are down, too. His shooting is down. But it just his, his impact looks right better, now. Though. He also looks a little swole. Like, I kind yeah. of feel like Steph was like, hey, motherfuckers, like, I'm a multiple MVP. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. arguably the most important player in basketball since Dr. J. I redesigned how the NBA operates like the Warriors run so many fewer pick and rolls than any other team because people double Steph, no matter what he's doing or where he is. So like, you don't need to run pick and rolls with Steph, even though that's usually what most teams are trying to do with elite players. Like he just runs all over the goddamn floor. It's crazy. Well, and he doesn't, he's shooting, he shoots from so deep now. So it's like he's, he's shooting well before he would even get to the pick half the time. Dude. And he's uh, like a dude that doesn't dunk either. You know, like he has such a sweet finger roll. It's all the, you know, every time he penetrates is a really nice layup. Uh, It's just funny that he's such a dominant player without dunks. And like Dr. J was a dominant player, you know, just with dunks. Um, they, both those guys, like, they're not the best players that ever lived. You wouldn't choose them number one in a draft, but they arguably changed the NBA more than any other players ever have. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the only other thing that stood out to me, one thing that stood out to me was on Friday night, um, the Bulls didn't miss a free throw. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I can't believe they ended up winning, dude. Like they, DeMar DeRozan has put his, his fingerprint on that team. It's unreal. And Zach, like a bunch of dudes who thought they were ones, I think, would react poorly to DeMar coming in and being like, okay, well, maybe I score more than you. But Zach is like, no, maybe we just both score better, like together. Yeah. 
like it seems like they're very simpatico and lonzo man like he was right get the fuck out of new orleans like get your ass to mars get your ass to chicago he looks him and caruso look brilliant together on defense you know like that team if that team had miles turner i would start thinking conference finals but that's an like, interesting fit. I like that. Like Vooch isn't playing right now. And I think Tony Bradley is their backup center. And it's like, they're mm-hmm. super thin in the front court and they don't have Tad anymore. Cause they traded him to the Spurs and the, the Rose deal. So I think that yeah, they're probably that's what we said, right. That was the knock on Chicago was the depth. Yeah. They're yeah. like the opposite of the Knicks, but they lost their starting center and they're still like, totally dominating people they they look great i mean i knew that they would have a competent defense because that's what billy donovan does but the fact that they've looked this good the fact that caruso and zoe are so complimentary is surprising well and also i think i think it kind of them losing like you said losing boost it just kind of um lets them lean even more into like what their strengths are, which is just like, just, they're just flying around. Like, you know, it's just craziness on the perimeter. They're, they're cutting, they're, they're jumping passing lanes. Like they're helping in the paint. They're, they're, you know, pinning guys, you know, along the baseline and doing, having other guy help defenders come over and rip the ball or block the shot. It's, it's been pretty fun to watch. If you like, if you like seeing transition offense because of great defense, like you, you should definitely watch the bulls. And like, I look at the box source and I'm like, Oh yeah. DeMar 10 plus free throws. Well, that makes sense. Like, that's just how they play. You're like, he's going like nine for 10 every night now. Yeah, it is. He seems to be on a mission and like, it is impressive that he's still playing at this level. He's always been a good player. It's just like the threes. Um, and he seemed disposable, also the defense. But you know what? Like, Zach wasn't good at defense, really. He got solid last year, or better at least. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's Donovan's done a great job. I, I kind of feel like right now he should get coach of the year just because this is so impressive with the defense. Like, the scoring, whatever. But like they're, I mean, they definitely look like a top seven team. They look legit, which sucks. That sucks. <laughs> but it's like if you look this good, Zach Levine has to resign, right? It's a good situation for him. It seems to be working. So you know, we'll see. Long season, and like you yeah. said, they, you know, one key injury and that's going to be a problem for them. They, their depth is lacking, uh, but they're a lot of fun to watch. All right, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Be safe. Uh, we will, we are planning to do a podcast next Sunday. We'll see how everything goes with fams and the holiday. Um, yeah. Enjoy the week and we will talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye. Have a good Turkey day. <laughs>